Well, this year is being hailed as the year of democracy. Forty elections will be held around the world, but there's one that stands to affect the global order more than any other. The outcome of the US, US presidential election to be held in November will be consequential not just for Americans and their social, cultural and economic fabric, but for the rest of us too in economic and strategic terms. Think climate policy, trade policy, think China, NATO, the Middle East and AUKUS. The outcome of this US election is important. And for that reason, we'll be following closely here on Sunday Extra throughout the year. And I'm thrilled to say that Nick Bryant will be an important part of our US coverage. Now, many of you know Nick. I know he's an award-winning, long-time former US correspondent for the BBC and author of the book When America Stopped Being Great. These days, he lives in Sydney. Nick, welcome to Sunday Extra. It's great to have you on board. Fran, it's great to be here and congratulations on the new show. Thank you. Hey, Nick, I want to zoom out and take a look at the implications of this year's election more broadly, but I think we better start with the events of this week. It's now two from two for Donald Trump in the Republican Party's presidential nomination process after the wins in Iowa and New Hampshire. He's looking strong in the next round in South Carolina, the home state of his only opponent still standing, the former US ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley. Is it all over, bar the shouting? Is it all over for Nikki Haley, really? In the old days, Fran, I think we'd have said it's all over, barring some catastrophic revelation. But I think Donald Trump has made the words barring some catastrophic revelation completely redundant. Uh, Catastrophic revelations tend to help him. Um, You're right. I mean, he's won Iowa. He's won New Hampshire. It's two for two. Um, Nikki Haley did pretty well in New Hampshire, but not as well as she'd hoped. She hoped she could stage an upset there. Uh, She's heading off to South Carolina, which, of course, is her home state. You'd think she'd be going home with a chance of victory. But the polls there show that Donald Trump is just dominant. Um, He has effectively won the Republican nomination with these two early victories. But Nikki Haley wants to stick around. And indeed, she's escalating her attacks on Donald Trump. Overnight, she called him totally unhinged. And that's just not what Donald Trump wants right now especially in some of the demographics that he's struggling with. He's always had a women problem, especially sort of higher educated suburban women. They're the sort of voters that love Nikki Haley. They're the sort of voters that will be listening when she says that Donald Trump is totally unhinged. She, she gave it a good go in New Hampshire, but ultimately she didn't make it. Um, what's, what's she like? Nikki Haley. She sounded so determined to fight on, but you've met her, you've seen her in action at the at the UN. What's she like? Does she have what it yeah, takes? Yeah, I used to spend quite a bit of time around her at the United Nations. She had this fantastic penthouse apartment overlooking the East River, and weirdly, overlooking her apartment was a Trump Tower. It was a kind of weird architectural sort of symbol. Um, she's very impressive. Uh, she came to the United Nations as the US ambassador, a foreign policy neophyte, really. She'd been the Southern uh, California governor Uh, but didn't have much foreign affairs experience. But she really stuck it to the Russians at the United Nations at a time, of course, when Donald Trump was cozying up to Vladimir Putin. She negotiated very successfully with the Chinese as well, getting some resolutions on North Korea over the line that people, frankly, didn't think would get over the line. In South Carolina, she had a really impressive record. I think she did one of the most brave political things I've seen in 30 years in American politics. You remember that awful church shooting in South Carolina, where nine parishioners were killed by a white racist who draped himself in the Confederate flag. Well, she brought down the Confederate flag, which had been flying since the 1960s at the state capitol there. It was an incredibly brave thing to do. She's Mm. an impressive politician. She's a very principled politician. But Fran, it does speak of where we are in 
American politics right now that when she launched her campaign and she had this biographical video, she'd actually taken out the bit where she took down the Confederate flag because she'd worried that that would offend Donald Trump's supporters. Yeah, well, she's two losses so far for her in the primaries. But as I say, she's, she's not going down without a fight. Here's Nikki Haley on the night pressing her case. With Donald Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment. You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. She also made the point that uh, Republicans lost the Senate, lost the House, lost the White House, uh, lost in 2018 and 2020, 2022. And she says the worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. She's pointing to something real, isn't she? The Republicans, the party itself has reshaped itself around Trump, but that hasn't been a winning formula for it in the last few years. 74% of Republicans who showed up on New New Hampshire voted for Trump. But a lot of Americans aren't in that, you know, make America great again mould. Was there anything in those results to trouble Trump? Yeah, I I think that's a really key point to make. Often we focus on the sort of cult-like MAGA following that Donald Trump has managed to create into this sort of personal movement. Um, And the 70% of Republicans who believe that Joe Biden stole the 2020 election, which is obviously absolute nonsense. But I think the key demographic to focus on in this election, Fran, as we head to the general election when it's Trump against Biden, is those 30% of Republicans who do believe that Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. That is the key constituency. Who are they going to vote for? Are they going to vote for Trump again? Are they going to vote for Biden? Are they not going to vote? And that is the constituency uh, the more affluent constituency of conservatives, the, the the conservatives that tend to live in the suburbs that often decide presidential elections in states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. I think that's the constituency. We have this preoccupation with what many would pe- people regard as sort of irrational voters who have kind of got this quasi-religious devotion to Trump. But it's that 30 percent. And what Joe Biden is trying to assemble is a kind of coalition of the sensible, um, people who don't want to return to the chaos of Trump, people Uh, who do believe that he won the election. And Nikki Haley is appealing to that very constituency, and that's what worries the Trump campaign. Okay, but what's going to motivate that 30%? What's going to motivate those voters in the the suburbs? I mean, it's not compulsory voting in the US, so turning out people to vote is a big thing. You know, I heard Joe Biden's big pitch against Trump, and again, as it was last time, it's declaring him a threat to democracy. Is that reheated slogan going to do it at a time when I'm sure all those voters in the suburbs, like voters in lots of many countries, including here, you know, it's the economy stupid. It's the cost of living they're concerned about. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, January the 6th for many people has receded in memory. Um, there are a lot of people who, you know, it's just not that big a problem for, for them. Um, now, that might change as the trials against Donald Trump start unfolding. You know, he faces four trials, two of them involve trying to overturn the 2020 election. But I think the economy, as you say, is absolutely crucial. I mean, overnight, we got this uh, US growth figures that are much better than expected. 2023 didn't see a recession, which many economists predicted. You know, we've seen some consumer confidence indexes uh, rising. I mean, that's all music to the ears of the Biden White House. But it's all about the felt economy, Fran. I mean, that's the crucial thing. And a lot of people who are living in the Midwest and elsewhere 
they are paying higher prices for their petrol. They're paying higher interest rates. They're going to the supermarkets and it's costing them a lot more to get a basket of food. And they blame that on Biden. And even if these economic indices are showing a real uh, speedy improvement to the US economy, that's not necessarily felt amongst voters. And even people who don't like the chaos of the Trump years have a nostalgia for an economy which during the Trump years was in pretty good shape. And that is a really big problem for Joe Biden. Nick, we could talk for hours about this and we will. We'll be talking regularly over the years. So it's great to have you on board. Thank you very much. My, my pleasure. Nick Bryant, journalist and author of When America Stopped Being Great, A History of the Present. And I'm pretty sure that one of Nick's proudest moments was when he saw a photo of President Biden sitting at his desk in the Oval Office and amongst the pile of books in the background there in the President's office was a copy of Nick's book. That's something to brag about. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.